Hi there, my name is Cheyenne. And I am Ben. And we're going to be your hosts for the Too Vague podcast today. Hey, look at that. We're going to do things a little differently today. Why is that? Because I'm going to be in charge of the podcast today. Oh, you're in charge. Yeah, and we are discussing a word that I'm really excited about. I brought notes today, which is unusual. Okay. Because usually you're the one with the notes. Right. And, and I'm the one I, just twiddling my thumbs over here. I have minimal notes because I was planning on this. Yeah. So we're doing a real role reversal. Yes. And uh, I think we're going to be talking about character today. Character. The word character. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can I mention one thing before you go on to the show? No, absolutely not. Please? No, I'm just kidding. Go for it. I would like to mention that you are now officially our unofficial official show host because you've had more appearances than anyone has ever had on this show. I feel like I have unlocked an achievement. Yes. Well, we have the scepter. The scepter is being made uh, right now. Uh, It should be ready. In, uh, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe? I don't a know. A couple of years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. We got, we'll, we'll, we'll give you some sort of a... a We're backlogged on scepters. Cons- consolation prize or something. <laughs> but um, I but was anyway. going to try and do a, a sentence where I try to include every word that I've done on this show so far. Oh, like, yeah. I made a choice to come on this platform several times, and now I feel that I have an achievement I forget the other ones though. Oh, we oh yeah, and uh, I think I'm generating a lot of hype right. on this show. Right. So but there was there was a there was another one. Context. Yeah. Well, I I got most of them in there, but today we are mainly going to be talking about character. Character. That's a good word. Yeah. When I think of character, is that character is an element of fiction, an integral part of the plot. Even though people like to think of characters as people. I think of them as plot elements, okay. and they're always related to the theme of the fiction, so gotcha. to speak. So, for example, Fight Club is a fiction, and it's you know it's about anti-capitalism or whatever. The main character, whose name shall remain unsaid, I think. If you, <laughs> I think if you haven't seen the movie or read the book at this point, we're yeah. not going to give you give we're away. Not, any we're secrets. not going to give away any secrets, but. The main character of Fight Club definitely has a definitive role to play in the theme of the story itself. Right. So I like to think of characters as sort of parts of the story themselves. Would you mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And yeah. Fight Club is, I, I think that's a, that's a really, that's an interesting character, the, the character you're talking about. Also kind of timely because since the death of uh, Meatloaf, and Meatloaf was in that movie. Was in Meatloaf? Fight Club. Who's Meatloaf? Singer Meatloaf. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I would do. Oh, I can't sing. I, would do. I, can't, I can't sing on yeah, this show. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know who that is. But okay. look, look up, look up I'm Meatloaf really up quick. Meatloaf. Yeah. Because I gotta know who this is. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite movies featuring Meatloaf dead on a table is Fight Club. Also, he's featured dead on a table. In Rocky Horror Picture Show. I see. I know who we're talking about now. Yes. Musician, actor. So anyway. Yeah. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. That guy has some important roles to play in that movie. Right. Being dead on a table. (laughs) Being dead on a table. And also having boobs. Also having boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
what they call him um he's like bob i do remember his whole spiel and in the in the movie fight club mm-hmm. the name of that actor ed norton i mm-hmm. love ed norton he does a lot of really good films yeah he does he does such a good tangent when he goes to those different support groups right. about like not even needing any of the support that is offered there and just mm-hmm. going cuz he wants to feel something right did you i've got a little a fun fact about about that movie in the book there was that you remember the part with um Marla Singer Marla and, Singer and he has sex with her for the first time mm-hmm. and the book had a quote from her after that where it's something like i want to have your abortion it yeah. was her response yeah and the producers said no you can't do that so they changed something they would accept and what they changed it to was i haven't fucked like that since grade school oh god um, and it's kind of it's worse. Still, it's still really it's still dicey. Bad, yeah. But it's kind of like, whoa. They were like, you know what? Um, we're we're going to do like sex with minors is clearly less offensive than abortions. So uh, we're yeah, going to throw I this joke in there. I don't necessarily agree with that. I but, don't agree with it either. You know, but anyway, it was one of those situations where, you know, your censors thought they were doing it a favor, but they weren't. <laughs> yeah right the choices we make it was a great it was a great line though yeah i thought it was a great line yeah Yeah. still probably got a lot of dark laughter yeah that's a really quotable movie it really is oh so many good parts to it but anyways but the main character is the one who's got depth and everyone else pretty much i guess marla doesn't really have depth too all the other characters are sort of two-dimensional aren't they wouldn't you say right well it's the whole book feels a lot like a fever dream in mm-hmm. a way, um, okay. which I think kind of leads to the climax where we find out that this person is, I don't know if he's supposed to be schizophrenic per se, but he definitely has this identity crisis going on here. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with his lack of sleep. When you don't sleep right. for days and days on end, you have, you know, I think the closest I ever came to having a weird sort of like, a fugue state. Yeah. Uh, was was one time I, I stayed up for 72 hours uh, for finals um, during college. And at the end of that, I kind of felt like reality wasn't really reality. It felt weird. Yeah. And then I ended up sleeping for like a day and a half, which probably wasn't healthy either. But Well, I mean, I have heard somewhere that uh, getting more sleep after being sleep deprived it can actually have like a catching up effect. Yeah. So, so there's character as an aspect of fiction, right. but character, and we were sort of talking about this with Aunt Nora earlier. Character can also be a way to describe somebody. Like somebody yes. has character. Right. They have good morals and they make good ethical decisions. Right. Right. A person of good moral composition, yeah. if you will. Which is a good thing to strive to be, yeah. I think. Yeah. There's also the usage of character where people people will say, oh, that guy's a character. Yeah. I like actually, as in they're kind of like, they're kind of odd. Yeah. I wrote that down as my second definition. Okay. Character is when somebody has an interesting or zany personality. So let me put you on the spot as the showrunner really quick. Do it. Would you refer to me as a character? 
in that definition. Oh, for sure. Okay. For sure, Ben. And I don't know if that's what you want or if no, that's, that's a bad fine. thing. I'm but to- I, you know what? I am totally cool with being a zany person. You're an oddball, for sure. I and am, I, I am. I don't know if I'm a character, per se. Oh, you're a character. I'm, I'm a unique person. I think you're so. a unique person. And you have good moral makeup as well. Yeah, so I am a, that girl is a real character who yeah. has character. Oh. Have you ever met anybody else in your life where you just thought when you met them, like, wow, that guy's a oh, character. Geez. Maybe too many to mention. I mean, it's just like, I like to think everyone, I mean, I don't make those like the snap decisions about people, but um, usually there's got to be something there that, you know, I connect with. I don't think I've ever referred to someone as a character unless I didn't know them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, generally, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like, Oh, that guy did some weird shit, you know? Right. So that's, oh, geez, that's good. Uh, like, who was that guy on Two and a Half Men um, who ended up getting- Martin Sheen. Yeah. 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 That, <laughs> and I was in high school, all of his scandals broke about oh, yeah. him being, like, super into drugs uh, and kind of going off the rails. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Charlie I, Sheen. What did I say? I said Martin, Martin. Sheen. Martin Sheen is his father. Okay. And his brother is Emilio Estevez. I don't know who that is, but um, he's a he's an actor. He's been in a number of movies. Also, eighties time. If you look up Emilio Estevez, he was in the Breakfast Club. He was a jock. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's a brother I love the of Breakfast Club. brother of Charlie Sheen. Interesting. Um, yep, Charlie Sheen was also in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You remember Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes, I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Do you That's remember a good Charlie show. Sheen? No, who did he play? Charlie Sheen was the guy at the police station who was like the dude who was talking to to Ferris Bueller's sister Jeannie when she okay. was being taken away from the police and basically giving her wisdom and is kind of like I'm a criminal sort of bad boy kind of way. Yeah. Kind of saying, well, why do you care? Why do you care what that he has this popularity or whatever? It was a very interesting sort of character for him to play. But it was very when he was very young, right? It was like 1984. I mean, I say very young. They were all very young back in 1984. I think of all of the characters in The Breakfast Club, which I realize is not Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No. I think that John Bender is the most character-y character out of all of the characters. Yeah, I I identified with the nerd. Oh, yeah. He was cool. He has some great lines. Yeah. Yeah. You know... My favorite line of his in the whole movie is when they are, they're smoking some weed together in that side room and he like takes a puff and he's like, the thing about chicks is they just don't know, hold, they smoke. And that line always really got me for some reason. Yeah. yeah. He was also in weird science and he had some good weird sort of lines in there. Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall was the nerd. And Bender was... Oh, Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson, yeah. Um, Anthony Michael Hall was in Weird Science. Did you ever see Weird Science? No. It's about two nerdy kids who are trying to be popular who make a woman. Oh, so it's not it's not like a science show. It's a it's a movie? It's a movie. It's, okay. It's not a... Yeah. It's it's actually a, a, a movie. And, and also, um, yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off breakfast club all these movies all those 80s movies yeah was he but, in but I mean, 16 candles as he well? was in 16 candles which is very cringeworthy if you watch it today yes um and 
I should insert a gong effect to to make my point. <laughs> to make the but point, but I will here. not. I will not do that. I will just mention said gong effect. The, yeah, Anthony Michael Hall was one of the people in Weird Science, and the whole premise was two kids make a girl with a computer and a doll that they connect with. The so it's thing. like a, a a robot of sorts. Not a rob. Well, uh, it's it's not a, it's it's a robot. AI thing. It's like Toy. they make it. Well, it's actually a woman. Look, look up Weird Science. It's if if you look up Weird Science and look at the 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 front page, they actually turn her. They take they take a woman's picture out of a magazine and kind of do something with a computer to make an AI by feeding various elements into this computer and creating the woman. And she teaches them how to be cool is the whole premise. Oh, that's a classic high school yeah. premise. But Anthony Michael Hall in the movie says, that bitch broke my heart in two. In two? <laughs> broke more than your heart. It was, it was, a, it was a scene where they were in a, a blues club and he, Anthony Michael Hall's character got really drunk. And of course, he's a high schooler, so he can't hold his liquor. Right. So he's talking with this weird accent that was not dissimilar to what you were talking about in the Breakfast yeah, Club. Yeah, with the Breakfast Club. Yeah. Well, I thought it was pretty funny. It's yeah. not the accent you would expect coming out of no. just like that small, like scrawny white ginger dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then also another, I'm sorry, I keep on bringing up Weird Science because it's an underrated movie and you should watch it. There's also um, uh, a guy who was Iron Man. Um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr., also in Weird Science as like one of the bully guys. So yeah, it was like, yeah, it was, it was uh, an interesting cast of characters, so to speak. It was really good. (laughs) When I think of the word character, I think of ASCII. Oh, you Um, stealer. What? I had all, I had that all set up. That wasn't the curveball, I hope. No, definitely not. Good. ASCII. And it's not the special key on the keyboard that you sit on. <laughs> it's not that one. No. Um, it is the American standard for information interchange. Correct. All those symbols. It, it's something that ASCII characters is a part of my job. So naturally, you know, like using or eliminating those from data strings is what I think of when I think of the word character. But I also think of the traditional um, word yeah. character, too. Character is a data type. Yes. In in programming. Right. And it's really kind of cool. I remember in one of my first computer science classes, we had to learn how to subtract the lowercase letter A from the capital letter A and so on and so forth. Right. Right. So it's kind of interesting. It's 128 symbols. 128 characters. Yeah. I know a thing or two about a thing or two. What is your favorite character or symbol? The ampersand. I just love saying ampersand. I'm so glad we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> it's a yeah. fun word. Yeah. The ampersand is a good thing to say, although it's not a character. The ellipsis is also a fun thing to say that I like, but but the ampersand. The tilde. People still don't know what the tilde is, but I say that it's a tilde. The tilde. What, remind me. Isn't that one it's of the those? It's a little wiggly. It's a little wiggly thing. Right. Like for the Latin N. Yeah, you know, but it's like, yeah, you have it over a letter. Um, Do you know how that is pronounced as like a consonant in Spanish? No, I do not. Enye. Oh, I don't like her music. 
Enya's I think music you're thinking of not... Enya. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. I didn't. I didn't know that. I just thought that was a. That's a joke, by the way. I know. I got you. I know. I got who you. Enya is. Enya. I'm going to start calling her Enya. <laughs> Yeah, that's just the Get a little Orinoco flow. Don't start singing Orinoco flow because uh, then we'll get the the copyright I know. folks. There's again. a lot of singing happening in the studio today. Yeah, it's There's, very weird. We're bringing we up a lot of... Um, Music-centric. They're called bangers nowadays, like really good songs. <laughs> that, bangers? That song's a banger. <laughs> Th- those are sausages. <laughs> no, that's bangers and mash. Oh, okay. If you say so, that's why when you have sausages and you watch that television show from the 1970s about the Korean War, right. <laughs> bangers and mash. Boy, you know what? I think it's 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 a close race between dad humor and music today. It really it's is. Like it's neck and neck right at this point. There's a lot. There's a lot happening. I'm bringing a lot of dad humor because that's probably my wheelhouse, and you're running the show. So I'm just kind of like you know. And that's totally acceptable. Okay. You know? I'll try, and, I, I'll try and stop. Sometimes it takes me a second for the joke to really sink in. But we did share a joke the other day when we were talking the uh, factorial. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we factorial. both were like ready for that one. Right. Right. Five. Five. It's not something you would understand unless you have dealt with a lot of math. Do I want to do a speed round? Okay. And here's how it's going to work. Okay. I'm going to ask you a series of questions about your favorite character for this X whatever. And you have to try and come up with your answer. Like, it's got to be the first one you think of. Um, okay. Okay. But it's not, you don't have to be like extremely speedy about it. Okay. All right. So are you ready for this? Yes. I think I am prepared mentally and physically for the speed round. For the speed round. All right. So, favorite movie character, go. Oh, boy. That's really tough. Can I pass? No, so okay. Lame. No, no. no. I, I, the, first, the first movie character I think of is Jeff Goldblum in, um, I guess, in Jurassic Park, where is Ian Malcolm? Ian Malcolm in yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah. We'll discuss later, but okay. for now, right. favorite TV show character. Oh, boy. Also, another tough one. Um,. Jesus. Jesus is not my answer. <laughs> Jesus is the answer. I'm writing it down. No, no. Mr. No, Christ. No, no. I am going to say Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, that's a good one. Little Star Trek action. Yeah. All right. Book character, like fiction. Fiction. Is it Jesus? No, it's not Jesus. <laughs> Book character. Alice. From Alice in Wonderland? Yes, from Alice in Wonderland. All right. Your favorite video game character? Oh, gosh. Aloy from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. How do I even... How do you spell that? A-L-O-Y. Aloy. A-L-O-Y. Okay. Very phonetic. Aloy. Aloy. All right. And the last one I have here is favorite villain. Villain. Villainy is one of these things where... There's a minutia. There, there's there's kind of like there's a gray area. It's it's not a hundred percent. Well, like what is a villain? And that's um, totally okay. It can be. You can just go with your gut, I and want, we can discuss the intricacies of how much of a villain it is. Because my answer is also a little bit dicey on villain status. What did I say with television? I said Jean Luc Picard. I want Jean Luc Picard. I wanted to say the Tick. 
Oh, for your favorite TV show? Character. The yeah, Tick. I can update it. Yes, let's update we'll, it with we'll the Tick. We'll update it. The Tick. Okay. The Tick. But uh, favorite villain? I don't know if I have a favorite villain because they're villainous. You, you're, you've never watched a show or and a movie rooted, with a villain and, and been like villain? not rooted for them but like like they're just so good they were written well or they're interesting they're interesting or, or they have just oh, cool geez. motives um yeah i mean i know who makes a good villain who's just so creative it's um gary oldman gary oldman always plays excellent weird quirky villains i think yeah so um, which villain in particular you, the, right that's where i'm that's where i'm trying to fish for the name of his character did you ever see true romance no it is a quentin tarantino script that was directed by tony scott which is ridley scott's brother true romance which was written by quentin tarantino which has quirky dialogue and a lot of weird sort of things it was from the time he wrote Reservoir Dogs. So he had two scripts. He went to Hollywood. Tony Scott said, I want both of those. Quentin Tarantino said, you can only have one of the two. Oh, yeah, that's right. And one of them is, uh, you should see that. But uh, Gary Oldman plays a character, Drexel Spivey. Drexel Spivey is my answer. True romance, he is the pimp for the Patricia uh, Arquette character, Alabama Warley. Got it. Yeah. All right. I do, I wanna I wanna go over these answers. Okay. Let's dig deeper. Cause I also wanna share with you the ones that I ended up choosing. Okay. So you said your favorite movie character is Ian Malcolm. Yes. Jurassic Park. Remind me, Ian Malcolm. He was a uh, chaos theory. He was mathematician. He was um, Ian Malcolm was the the guy who he was the feature main character in uh, the second Jurassic Park. Right, played by freaking what's his face? Freaking what's his face? Exactly, <laughs> you got it. That's definitely his name. Yes. Why do I always forget this guy's name? Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. You already said that. Yeah, All Jeff right, Goldblum. Cool. Yeah. An amazing actor. I think he's got a lot of depth. He's kind of quirky. That's a really good choice as far as favorite movie characters. Yeah. The most memorable part of that movie to me is um, the main, the lead, like putting his arms into that ginormous pile of dinosaur poop to find. Oh, that was, uh, no, that was her. She, she, oh. um, uh, Laura Dern's character, the blonde woman, yeah, Laura yeah. Dern, she did the the poop because she was the one who was trying to determine what was wrong with the triceratops. Uh, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. So she like puts her arms elbow deep and, and into Ian, a pile of dinosaur shit. Yes. And Ian Malcolm says, that's a lot of shit. <laughs> that's a great movie. Very classic. Yeah. I did not really like the new like Jurassic World stuff as much, but yeah, part of it I think is the concept is is old and it's trying you're trying to be preachy with with the don't fuck with genetics kind of thing, right? The whole wonder of this is natural, this is a natural thing, and the the things as they were created. When you start splicing genes, it's like. Of course, that's fucking dangerous. Are you cut? Are you nuts? Yeah, you couldn't possibly uh, figure out 
what what happens when you splice all these things together. And there's a little bit of that that happens in the first movie that makes it so all the dinosaurs don't breed because they're sterile. But then they find out, I think that might be in the second movie, that they that, that gene, that lysine deficiency and whatnot, um, they kind of grew out of that. And mm-hmm. because of a certain frog gene, I think, is what, what makes them... Al- anyway, I do know a lot about this movie. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It actually kind of ties in with my answer for this. Oh, the, okay. The theme of like genetics um and going places where genetics shouldn't go because my top answer for favorite movie character is ellen ripley from alien oh okay yeah i love her i love the name i like i love her name ripley as well i just think that's such a cool like strong characteristic name yeah um and of course she's the smart person on the ship trying to follow the protocols with right. everyone else just being stupid and looking out for self-interest that's where after the captain dies she's kind of the next in command yeah so and she's she also, saves a cat that's the most important part of the movie it's really what the whole movie was leading <laughs> it's towards just, yeah cat rescue yeah <laughs> There was the a, perils of cat rescue. There was a book written called Save the Cat, and it's about writing good fiction. Oh, um, okay. Since we're on the topic of fiction. Does and it cover it, f- strong female leads as a part of that? Or is it is it a reference to Alien? It is, because okay. they thought that. Let me look up who wrote the book really quick, since okay. I'm going to mention it. Because I do know who directed that movie. It's I mentioned him earlier, Ridley Scott. Oh, Ridley Scott, Yeah. Blake Snyder was the author of that book. And the reason why it's called Save the Cat is because he thought it was so clever that they put the cat in the beginning or the middle of the movie, but it's just sort of like this side note, like not even an important part of the movie. But then it comes full circle, of course, at the end when Ripley realizes that the cat is going to, you know, be left behind. And so she has to run, she has to risk her life to basically save this cat. Right. And he thought it was really satisfying. Yeah. I, on the other hand, did not actually think that was a very realistic part of the movie. I thought it was kind of weird and random that she saved the cat. Okay. So I'm going to counter that by saying... That was her only connection to anything that happened on that. And maybe it was her only personal connection that she had left from that ship. And she wanted to save that because that was her only source of happiness. Yeah. Um, Maybe that was it. I don't know. But that's kind of what I saw is going out of her way to save something innocent that would definitely been fucked up by that alien. Almost got screwed up by that alien in the first place when it hissed that was the other thing too it was it was real cat behavior right (laughs) it was like a cat hissing at something that could definitely kick its ass but you know but it's a cat so it's it's just gonna it's it's acting like a cat absolutely yeah if i were to say anything about saving the cat i understand for, for one point um it would be unrealistic but I think maybe also my opinion is colored by the fact that I have cats <laughs> and I love my cats. Can you imagine how long it would realistically take to find the cat hiding from the alien? Oh, God. Yeah, no, it would be super difficult. If you had minutes to live, I just, I'm just saying. Well, here's, here's what you do in that case. What you need to do is 
put objects balanced precariously on a table <laughs> right near the edge, and then definitely that cat will come out. That's how you find a cat. Yeah. The problem is then you have the alien going around following you around and knocking shit off. But if you have enough things that the cat can knock off the table. Or just like put out a keyboard and wait. Right. Because the cat will come and lay on it. Um, before I move on to our next speed round question review, I want to bring up my honorable mentions because I had such a difficult time pick- picking a favorite movie character. Oh, okay. Um, I w- uh, let me just say, honorable mention for me would probably be Ripley. Oh, yeah, in, for in sure. Both, in both the Alien and Aliens movies because she showed a different side. She was a more took more of a leadership role in Aliens. Mm-hmm. But that's also one of those ones where she's a strong female lead. Exactly. And, and I think that was that came at a time when that was uncommon. Uh, a strong action yeah. lead. With a, yeah, a strong female lead. Yeah. Because even in like Terminator, you did right. have Sarah Connor. Still, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character was more of the main character well, in that. as the villain, right? And John Connor's father who... Right, right. The it, whole mind, the whole, fuck. the whole, the whole thing, where it's like he sent his father back to have sex with his mom, uh, which is basically which is I'm, kind of bizarre. But he was sent back to protect her, kind of thing. And I think that so she was a damsel in the first movie, but in the second movie she became the the main, the main, the lead, the badass, right? Yeah. But I think in the first Terminator. She was a streetwise damsel who didn't know what the fuck was going on, but she wasn't like to the level of Ripley, strong female lead like yeah. she was. Colin, Colin Shots. Yeah, exactly. Not My honorable song? mentions were Will Hunting from Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Because it's not your fault. And he was just so clever uh, solving equations as a janitor of this university. Right. Um, and then Andy Dufresne from the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. And finally, Leon, the assassin from Leon, the professional. Okay. Also could have been viewed as a villain. True. But I think if you watch the movie, his role as a father figure and a caretaker for the, uh, for Matilda or Matilda is, it's obvious that he's kind of the good guy. Plus there are badder bad guys in that movie. Okay. So what are your thoughts on the... This is going to open a can of worms that I might not want to add or open. In that movie, there were sexual tensions between him and the the girl. I think... There were implications there that some people have said there was something going on between them, and some people say there weren't. I Does that don't sh- think that there was. Okay, okay. Because that would yeah. change the... The, the character, like, as he was, like, he's a fucking creep, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that when those moments show up, I remember exactly what you're talking about. Because Matilda claims that they're lovers or that they're together. I think that Matilda had a reverence for Leon and that she had a kind of immaturity and fascination with him. But Leon was just taking care of her and... I, if I recall, uh, when she would bring that up, he would correct her and say no. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting character. I mm-hmm. think as a as a hitman, 
you know what that makes me think of other interesting characters this this is this is one of these ones where we could talk about this forever i think yeah we can really go down a um, rabbit hole gross point blank did you ever see the movie gross point blank no martin blank is the character played by he and his john sister, cusack john cusack john cusack is in the movie what makes him an interesting character it's my generation of the 80s like we're so concerned with love and first love and running away from that or whatever and the whole story is about this guy who runs away and becomes a becomes basically leon becomes a hitman and decides to go back to his his 10-year high school reunion <laughs> and reunite with the girlfriend played by mini uh mini driver mini 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 driver mini You're driver right. okay so mini driver is kind of like the lover that was left at the high school dance or whatever. He just decided he was going to, he felt like he wanted to kill someone. So he became a hitman. And then now he's going back to his reunion. It's an interesting story. I think a lot of what makes a character interesting, how they develop, right? Yeah. To me, it's not just the characteristics of that character. It is over the story. How did they change and adapt? And yeah. in, in what way? And it, I think that's like that's like a character arc. Exactly. So that's a good thing to think about. I think like what makes these characters interesting is how they face adversity and how they deal with situations and how they change for the better and for worse. Some of my favorite characters are specifically my favorite because of their character arc. Yeah. Because they might start off in a way where they're memorable for some reason um and or or just bad right you know, bad in like a in a theatric way where gotcha. like they seem like a criminal or like a right. bad kid but then they like adapt over the course of the movie or the tv show and they become someone totally different yeah like there is a a character from a really light-hearted sitcom that is done by fox it's called new girl Oh, and, yeah. No, I love New Girl. Oh, That's you love great. New Girl. So yeah, the character progression of Schmidt from the beginning Schmitty. of the show <laughs> to the end of the show is amazing. Yeah. He yeah. starts off as this like womanizing. Incredibly shallow. Shallow kind of douchebag. You're going to bring this up later, but very Patrick Bateman. Mini, yeah. And his like. The trends and things like that. His obsession with appearances yep. and being liked by people. Right. But as the show progresses, he makes mistakes. He learns from some of those mistakes. And he eventually learns to prioritize the woman he cares about. Yeah. And he becomes the most, like, just tolerant, like, progressive type person. It's a joy to watch him in the yeah. latter half of the show because right. he's he kind of carries it in some manners. Right. This is uh and also when he becomes a father, there are other fatherly things in that. Exactly. You know, it's a very interesting arc. I kind of I loved it at first, and then I kind of lost interest as it went into the later seasons. I don't think I remember anything beyond the season where it was the last season where he and her had uh, the kid right yes okay. the very last one right. the actor's name is max greenfield yes and yeah. uh i i watched that whole show i do love it a lot but i can see what you're saying it's kind of sticky and then also the whole thing with 
Um, uh, Zoe Deschanel. Zoe, Zoe Deschanel's character and the bartender guy yeah, who's always played, clueless who wants to write that book that sounds stupid. His that's his name is Nick Miller, Nick and Miller. I always forget the actor's name. Yeah, he was in uh, he was in the Spider Verse movie as Spider Man. Jake Johnson. Yes. Yeah, their relationship is cringeworthy. <laughs> it's cringeworthy in a way that's pick a lane, man. I yeah. mean, you know, either you're interested in this person or you're not. And they're I both just like, can't believe that two adults would be so bad at communicating. I yeah. refuse to believe that. I think that's the case in a lot of unrealistic love stories. Right? Yeah. It's why would you ever, well, you know, just probably for the sake of time, do all these things that are unreasonable and whatnot. But it's just, it's just kind of, you know, it just creates boggles drama. the mind. Yeah. Which is probably what you want in a TV show. You want yeah. drama, but at the same time, it doesn't do anything for the character development as far as going, okay, this person is learning, right? Yeah. In fact, there are a lot of characters that are written to not learn. or The comedy comes from the fact that they don't develop. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or exactly. don't learn their lesson. So That's anyway, okay. All right, so, we we should probably move. Let's on move on to, to the, the next other one, ones. which is it's our favorite show characters. Okay. Yours was the Tick. Oh, the Tick yeah. isn't that the name of the show as well? Yes, it's like a superhero thing. Yes, he is a superhero. It started out as a comic book, a uh, graphic novel. It was about this guy who's got amnesia, who is dressed in a big Tick suit, big blue suit, and doesn't remember where he comes from. It's kind of hinted at that he's from uh, an insane asylum and goes to the city and meets his partner, who is an accountant <laughs> named Arthur, <laughs> also an interesting character, who wants to become a, uh, a superhero and has this moth suit. And people always think he's a bird. And he goes, no, I'm a moth. I'm a moth. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of comedy there. It's just that, that character is, I, I think he's a great character because he doesn't change, right? He is his, he's trying to learn things, but he's unsuccessful and it's funny. Yeah. And it, it's, it's that way in the, and I'm not talking about the recent Amazon series of The Tick because that is more, it's trying to have a story arc. It's trying to be something that the original comic book didn't feel like it was. The original comic book had such interesting characters, and even the cartoon version of the show had such interesting other characters. Like as far as your, there was a Batman-looking guy called Deflator Mouse. Deflator Mouse? <laughs> yeah, Deflator Mouse. Wow. And then um, another Paul the Samurai, who in order to get his a sword through uh, like airplane flights he baked it into loaves of bread <laughs> oh my god yeah this is this this whole series is hilarious and the patrick warburton version of the television series that was on fox and canceled after seven episodes is absolutely brilliant because it kind of captures the the feeling like it's the superhero equivalent of seinfeld mm -hmm. where it's like show uh, it, they say it's a show about nothing but it's a show about common problems that are navigated by heroes in weird sort of ways yeah um, exactly like one of the one of the episodes was captain liberty is a big fan and is put in charge of being 
support for this well-known superhero called the Immortal. And she ends up having sex with the Immortal and he dies. Oh, no. <laughs> so the Immortal dies because... He had sex with Captain Liberty, I guess and she's he's not having, a, so and she is having a crisis. I killed the immortal. That just seems like it shouldn't have been possible. Yes, you know, she's but then like, also, yes, there's that, and then there's a part of the story where Tick doesn't understand that people die. <laughs> so, oh no! So Arthur is trying to explain to the Tick is how people die, and there's just comedy there, and then just Patrick Warburton was so perfect for casting choice for the Tick. Yeah, if you're gonna watch anything by the as far as the tick, either look at the um, the graphic novels or the actually you could do go to the cartoon show too, but, but not the Amazon one. Not the Amazon one. The Amazon one is good and it's got some comedy, but it's not. It doesn't encompass, in my mind, the spirit of the original tick series shows. Yeah. One other thing I want to mention about the tick in the in the in the comic books. There is this evil, like, you know, there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Foot Clan, you know, you've got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ninjas, and they're all the, you know, like Shredder's big army of ninjas. Well, they were kind of poking fun at that by a bunch of these ninjas all standing there surrounding a house like a picket fence. And little kids are looking at these ninjas, and they're, they're saying, we're a hedge, move along. <laughs> right so then you it goes into the inside the house and there's this woman uh is talking to her parents and say you're in danger can't you see those ninjas surrounding the house and the guy looks out the window and he goes all i see is a hedge <laughs> so that's good stuff yeah it's all really funny and clever yeah clever but all based around this character that doesn't change because he's just kind of yeah so the static part of his of his character is what makes it work yeah it what makes it makes it work because it's consistent and you're putting him in situations that you want to see how the character reacts right mm -hmm. so it's not about the arc in that instance it's about how that character responds the character i've selected as my favorite is great for the opposite reason he has a lot of character development okay and it's jesse pinkman from the show breaking bad okay i don't know have you ever watched breaking bad yes Did it doesn't you? it didn't connect with me not so you didn't finish the show or anything i learned about the show because my dad liked the show okay so i heard about the various things that happened yeah. um he actually said that he liked uh better call saul better Interesting. Whatever that second show. Because Better Call Saul is very slow. Yeah. I can see why he would like it. It is a good, it's almost a legal drama with yeah. a little bit of con man action thrown in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, Breaking Bad, the reason why Jesse Pinkman is my favorite TV show character, besides the fact that, I mean, Aaron Paul is an awesome actor and very, just very relatable, very funny. He starts out as just this like punk teenager who is dealing in the underworld like selling meth and right. basically but just doing it in like as a way to survive he right. has no ambition and he'd rather like just kind of screw around all day than do anything else right but he's it's easy money easy money and he doesn't care that it's not upstanding work he just kind of goes with life because right. uh, he wants to party, you know, and hook up with girls, and whatever. But uh, he's forced into these situations as the show goes on to deal with actual life and death, deal with morals, 
it turns him into a good person rather than turning him into More a bad evil. person. Yeah. He looks at the choices he's made and decides he wants to respect himself as a person. And by the end of the show, has become somebody who very much knows who he is and very much does not want to be involved with this kind of like this world anymore right you know he's doing right. he finds people that he wants to protect and look out for and that's all that he wants to do that's all he cares about right that's a good story arc even though that character isn't the main focus right right it's was it walter white exactly that walter white his battle with cancer his going from being a mild-mannered school teacher high school teacher science teacher to this meth maker and, yeah yeah. And not to not to spoil it, but I actually selected Walter White as one of my favorite villains because Okay, well let's, let's you know what? Oh, you're you're running the show. I mean Whatever it is my do. show and I'm not I'm not gonna go too much into it. But yeah, Walter White's one of my favorite villains and Jesse Pinkman is one of my favorite like T V show characters. Because yeah. I consider him to be one of the heroes of that show. Yeah. Cause it, cause it, you can make it a uh, you can make an argument that the the arc of good to bad uh, runs the opposite direction for each character. For both of them, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, it's, uh, it's, uh, and in Walter White's case, it's it's because he's gotten himself so deep into the pride, whole thing. His pride, his ego. Yeah. Well, that develops over, right? That that mm-hmm. That's something that inflates. Yeah. Anyway. It does. We're going to go, we're going to move on to our favorite book characters. We got Alice in Wonderland versus Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Yeah. And I think that I don't Alice think this would, is a versus thing, really. It's it's and, right? It is and. I am only including versus because it added an element of comedy in my head. Um, okay. But Alice in Wonderland, I read, it, I read it a you long time. You to do the fight thing. Fight! <laughs> uh, Alice in Wonderland, great novel. I read it. Uh, I think in like 10th grade or something. Yeah. It's a really uh, figurative book. It's very, and I think the thing that makes that book character interesting is she's just in a, in a, it's a depressing like backstory of that person, right? Alice, uh, depending on how you read it or what games you've played or what, you know, alternate universes you've explored. But had a really horrible sort of backstory, right, for Alice. But as far as her exploring this amazing, weird, and strange universe, it was colored a little bit by Disney. It was kind of Disney-fied in certain areas. But if you really get into it, the Lewis Carroll, you know, it's just so... It's kind of dark. It is dark. And it should be represented as such. But, I mean, I can see where Disney, it's just so creative and... Cool. So that's kind of where and, my loyalty yeah. lies. You said Tyler Durden. We did talk a lot about Tyler Durden earlier, or maybe we didn't. You uh, never know. You're you gonna never, have to see who see the movie. Gonna have to see the movie. Yeah. Uh, I did read the book. I actually read it several times. Yeah. I was reading it when I was in Hawaii on a band trip once. Right. I just love the style of Chuck Palahniuk, but his writing style is awesome. It's fast and short. There was some controversial stuff in Fight Club. There were even some parts where he goes into the making of explosives. Um, 
and of which, course, which is available in the Anarchist Cookbook, which is now available not in paper form, <laughs> but it's also available online. That is something. Yeah. Um, and I honestly don't think that Chuck Palahniuk was attempting to teach people how to make napalm. No, no, it was to it was to provide a sort of narrative as to how radicalized this other personality was. Right? Exactly, especially compared to the Tyler Durden we're introduced to, the nameless right. Tyler Durden, who's kind of a soft-spoken, yeah. obsessed with image, obsessed with his apartment and Ikea furniture, Right, always ordering new furniture, even though he's never in his own apartment. And let me just say how brilliantly that movie was shot, by the way, with all those different things. They really did a wonderful job of conveying that kind of feeling without the whole making it look like a catalog. That was fucking brilliant. Ex- in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, can't use the definite article in an event of a dildo. It's always <laughs> the dildo, never your dildo <laughs> the dildo yes and that was the other thing too i don't know how much of that stuff i didn't read the book i just saw the movie but i don't know how much of that stuff was written but i can imagine that it was all pretty much word for word right no I, there is a, a bit that's word for word there's a lot included in the book that also gets taken out though, okay in the okay. movies uh tyler durden does say i wanted to destroy something beautiful right with the with the scene where he just beats up the pretty boy to a point where he's just like unrecognizable. Yeah, that okay. that happened. Yeah, and that's kind of when you're kind of getting the idea that he's really kind of he's off the like he's over the edge. Yeah, you know, even even his alternate self thinks he's over the edge at that point. Exactly. This is before meatloaf is dead on the table. This is before meatloaf is dead on the table. Yeah, which. I figured out who Meatloaf was today. And when I, I Googled Meatloaf, you can imagine the first thing that came up was a picture of Meatloaf. Oh. Like the, the meat. The meat. The loaf of meat. <laughs> the, the loaf of meat. Not the artist changed no. his name to Meatloaf. <laughs> yes. Interesting choice. Yes. Just two categories left. Your favorite video game character was Aloy. Yes. And mine is Commander Shepard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, it's probably just because I love Mass Effect so much. Yeah. But um, I love that you can really play with Commander Shepard's morality. and. Uh, well, see, that's the thing, too. That Does that make him a character that you would really love and also a character that you could potentially really hate based on his decisions that you make throughout the, throughout the, it's true. the story? You can make Shepard so villainous or you can make them just like the nicest guy. Right for you when you play through uh the mass effect trilogy are you making your character based on decisions you would make or are you creating a character based on whatever the you know like the story calls for are you like role playing the character see i think my first playthrough i've always played as myself you know i make the decisions that i would make and then in future attempts i try to role play a character right. that I have designed in my head. And okay. most recently, it's just like the full renegade run through with the only exception being I can never really be like xenophobic in these games. I can never like 
not pick up the alien crew members or like just make decisions that affect the other alien races poorly. Just as a person, I find it really hard to do. It's not that I have a problem with people who make those choices during the gameplay. Oh, come because on. You totally have it. I don't. That's the thing is I don't have a problem with that. I'm like, it's you have that decision. You can play it. It's so part of the game. So you forgave her. I forgave who? Her. Who's her? The space racist, Ashley. Yeah, from the first I, know game. What you're ta- I know what you're talking about. Um, I still don't like her. Okay. But <laughs> so you save Caden instead of Ashley. It, it depends on the playthrough, but usually I do save Caden. I've done quite a few f- female Shep Caden romances, um, but he's kind of like, he's kind of a nerdy dude. Well, yeah, but isn't that appealing? I don't know. His hair looks like a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, my right. favorite, well, my favorite romance option is Liara to Sony. I'm kind of partial to Jack, but Jack is awesome. Yeah. She is badass. Yeah, but uh, she's definitely tortured, and definitely the 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 one that I would gravitate toward, and then be sorry about that later. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. But that's that, and then we've got Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. And that is based on just how interesting of a character she was in the game and how strong female character that was trying to find her origin and save her society from what appeared to be sort of a growing concern with machinations that seemed to be getting more complex and evolving. And just the the whole story arc of hers is really kind of cool. She starts out as sort of an exile and she wants to be admitted back into the community. Right. She and her um, her father figure are exiled from the community, and then she gets to a point in her development in like teenage, late teenage years, where she wants to find out what happened to her parents or what you know where she came from, and the only way she can do that is to be admitted back into society, and right. that's where the story starts and it just gets more and more interesting from there and it doesn't hurt that the gameplay is freaking it's so amazing is it a standalone game or are there precursors to the one that came no, out it's, it's a brand new, it's a brand, it's new, brand new ip new. it's it's like this second version is the second version it's it's the first ip i am a little i'm going to reserve judgment until i actually play the game the uh, forbidden west if it's anything like the first my gosh, that's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like it has a pretty good story. It's a great story. It's balanced pretty well. There are different mission type, but you have that in most open world sort of things. Right. There's a lot of side content. They basically added the Frozen Wilds, a whole story on its own as a DLC. They added that on top of what existed and added more armor and added more development and stats and things like that in a very intelligent sort of way. The whole thing was really enjoyable. And generally I have a problem with DLC that seems like it's half-baked, but this one was its own story and just wonderful. Yeah, Um, just really added to the main Exactly, exactly. And it it didn't necessarily develop Aloy as a character. It was a story and she was exploring an environment and trying to figure out something and do something for a group of people. So it was just kind of like... You feel like you can affect the people in the DLC. Right, right. You kind of solve a problem for them or help them in a way that's 
you know, that makes you more well-known. The story of Eli, her story arc is, is amazing. Strong female lead. Can't beat that. Just an amazing game, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good playing games where... Yeah, where there's a good, strong female lead. And then also great mechanics to back that up. I mean, if it was just a strong female lead, I would have played all the way through it, right? But it was just so much fun. This is a game where you're taking down robotic dinosaurs with a bow right, and arrow. Right, right, right. That is all you needed to give That's me in the, the pitch That's the selling meeting. point. That's that the pitch. It. That is all. I will play anything that has robots in it. What about bows and arrows? Not everything that has bows okay. and arrows. Because it's like bows and arrows and slingshots and shit. But it's yeah. really, you know, it's really cool what they do I, with the weapon, the limited weapons that they have. I um, like a good sword and board game. But yeah. I also do like just regular guns and yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Yeah. We've almost made it through. We're on our last one. We are going to talk about our favorite villains. Okay. Your favorite villain is Gary Oldman as Drexel Spivey in True Romance. Yes. Mine was Walter White. I also wrote down Girahim from The Legend of Zelda, The Devil from the Bible, a favorite fictional character of mine, Right. and uh, Jack from The House That Jack Built. But I think Walter White is probably my favorite. Yeah. I'm also going to say that Hans Gruber also. Hans Gruber, we're going to add that yeah. as Ben's second. Yeah, because because Hans Gruber was was this you know he had a, a he had a a design he had a plan he had you know all these things he thought he was he could trick he could trick you know um, Bruce Willis. Um, yes. Yes. Um, John McClane. Yeah, he thought he, he could really trick John McClane. He really thought he could get ahead of him. Yeah, but he didn't because he was so he was so ahead of everything, right? And then you get to that scene where he's with you know with him, and I don't know. John McClane as a character is a great character. Do you think John McClane translates as far as a good character in the later movies, or does he just become? A I cartoon, mean, a cartoon of himself. I, think. I I would have to sit, agree with you there. It yeah. kind of becomes a caricature, right. Um, right? That's another good word, caricature, right? As opposed to character. I remember seeing the later movies. I pr- I think I actually watched Live Free Die Hard before I ever saw the first Die Hard movie. Oh, and I okay. remember thinking it was just a cheesy action franchise. I think that one had Justin Long in it. Yeah, um, yeah. That was one that I thought, as far as the series Jump in the Shark, that was it. I thought that that was a good reintroduction with Justin yeah. Long. And uh, Timothy Oliphant as the as the villain in that was also played a pretty good villain in that. Yeah. As far as this guy who was self-righteous and just didn't care about the collateral damage to save people. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but also his pride. It was just about his pride. It's like, you didn't listen to me. And I'm going to make you pay. So <laughs> There um, is a part in Live Free, Die Hard, a very cheesy shot, if I remember, where a car is like flying through the air and then it like lands and narrowly misses uh, Bruce Willis as he's like walking by it and it does that whole like dramatic swing behind him, barely missing him. Right. Is that the, so, that's the tunnel when, they, when he yeah. turns off the lights in the tunnel? Right. You think that that's more freakish than when he's on the jet wing? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. I don't and know. The jet, and the that's jet wing thing point. is like spinning around. And like, oh, okay. All the all the stuff up to this point has been moderately eye roll worthy. 
but that just is ridiculous. At least it's not the scene in Hobbs and Shaw where Dwayne the Rock Johnson holds a helicopter down with his bare hands uh, and a chain. Yeah, yeah let's not. <laughs> let's not go there. Yeah. Drexel Spivey, do you want to talk about your favorite villain first? Oh, sure. Um, Walter White. We've kind of been going all over the place here, so my apologies for that. But Walter White is a great villain because you don't necessarily see him as the villain in the beginning of the show. He's the protagonist. So he's supposed to be the one you're rooting for. I think I rooted for him up until like the eighth episode of the first season. And then he makes a decision at one point where instead of accepting money, like charity money to take care of his sickness, he turns it down so that he can instead manufacture methamphetamine and sell it so that he doesn't take charity. You know, he's too proud. And I remember just thinking like, dude, you think you're better for, for not accepting charity and instead like manufacturing meth? Like, well, yeah, but that's part of his character development and his delving into this despicable... This need for power. He becomes this egotistical, power-hungry person who never knows when to quit. Yeah. And it becomes about control, and it becomes about his personal image as Heisenberg, right. um, which eventually he does go for some sort of redemption, but ultimately, still, he still, gets what he deserves. Right. He gets hit in the face with a pie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, it's a raspberry pie. Oh, yeah. He got the raspberry. <laughs> but uh, Drexel Spivey. Yeah, Drexel Spivey is a despicable human being as far as a villain, played by Gary Oldman, who he thinks he's black, and he has he's a pimp. And so in typical... I guess racist sort of like the the, the whole, the way, it, the way Tarantino writes, right? He writes in a certain way in a certain situation. But this, this character thought he was black and basically talked that way and had dreadlocks. And basically he was a despicable human being that the main character came to, to try and say, the girl that was one of your prostitutes is leaving and she's coming with me and we're going to you know flee this and so here's i just came to tell you this as a man doesn't turn out well and something happens where he was there to pick up her stuff and ends up with a suitcase full of coke so as one does as one does as a villain oh my god just gary oldman plays villains so well i mean i don't know it's it's like he is so despicable and you don't even really need an example. They show you an example of how he's despicable independent of this whole sequence with Clarence going to, to say Alabama's moving. I'm getting their stuff and she's, she's not going to be one of your prostitutes anymore. She's going with me. And then the mob gets involved and there's a lot of other interesting things that happen along the way. Do you think somebody has to really commit to being too, being a villain like when they're as an actor do they have to enter a certain mindset where they have to fully commit to being an atrocious person not that they act that way in real life but they just have to pretend like they know what it's like i i well 
if you have a vivid imagination, um, which I think most actors that are successful do, they can inhabit a space without actually being that, right? You're right. They can, they can do that kind of disassociation of themselves. And actually doing research and interviewing and, and doing things like doing your work, your background work on these people and how you want to represent them in a movie. You have some creative freedom as an actor, but the director also can tell you how you do this. So you have to come to the table with a lot of different ideas as to how to play this character. I don't know. I, I think you you kind of do to be successful. You have to have a little background on the character and his motivations. But I think that's with any character, villain or otherwise, that you that's to be fair. a successful actor. That's fair. You have to, you know, figure out what his uh, hopes are and what he wants. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be kind of method. Yeah, I think method is a bad rap, right? Method is, you know, people go. Don't refer to me as blah blah blah. I'm so and so, and refer to me as such, like when I'm real life or whatever. I think as long as it's, that's why I say you can compartmentalize and you can turn it on and turn it off. If it's a problem, turning it on and turning it off, then I don't think you're successful in your exploration. You can, you should be able to assume that character and and remove it. And and I don't necessarily agree with the whole method philosophy where you know if you want to inhabit a character just for exploration okay but don't spring it on people and don't say hey don't refer to me as blah 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 who refer is to me that as so, who how you know, dare you I can, right i can see i can see someone doing that like going into a mall like method as into i am going to play this character in a mall with people who don't know who i am that is different than right I think method is one of those things where we have an idea of what it is and that might be misconstrued. I think there can be different versions of it. I think there's there's like a method light that I think is a good is a good approach. A good medium. Yeah. 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 So if you're exploring a character, you want people who don't know you as you, who only know this character to respond to you. And that is difficult when someone else knows you as someone else, right? Right. So your responses are not authentic if you're interacting with a person who is usually Dave, but now they're saying, call me Philip, because that's who I'm playing. Method light. Method light. Less calories than the normal method. (laughs) Fewer calories, all the flavor. All the flavor. Well, I think we should wrap things up with talking a little bit about character creation. Okay. I'm Um, up for it. I really wanted to talk about Dragon's Dogma character creation. Okay. Because I was really impressed with the way they do it. Okay. I Mainly the amount of different body shapes and the prefab options that they give you. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it's so customizable so you can really create people of all different heights, body sizes and shapes, um, ages with different like presentation you can make them seem more masculine or more feminine right for a game that is as old as it is i was impressed by the especially the inclusion of all different sorts of body types heights voices i thought that was a really cool thing that they added in there when it comes to you and character creators in games 
Do you want more options? Do you want to spend the first hour and a half trying to figure out how your character looks? Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's wrong and not passing judgment. It's like if it's a story based game, I don't want to do that, right? Just get me into the game. If it's going to be the same, no matter what your character looks like, I just want to get into the story, kind of. Yeah. Um, but there are characters that are like character creators where you're doing a role that's more of a role play, kind of playing the character, and then I think having character designs that are specific are more uh, impactful for me. Yeah, that totally. Uh, but I understand out. how people want a character that represents themselves, yeah. right? Or represents they can identify with visually. Right, exactly. It makes it it adds something to the game when you can see your character in cutscenes and talking to other people and you feel proud of like their appearance and just like what they look like. Yeah. Um you feel kind of excited to be a part of it. So yeah. that's for me anyways how I've always felt about it. That's my female character with a penis. Yeah, sure. Cyberpunk. If you're if you're playing Cyberpunk, um, I don't. You know what? They did two types of penises. Why didn't they do two types of vaginas? Why didn't they? I do think they vagina? did. They did. Uh, they did had they some options. It? it was mainly options about I thought it what was your nipple options. They had some nipple options, but they also had options for what your pubes look like. Yeah, but that's not that's not like the thing. Well, I mean, I think they did give a couple different options though for think. what it looks like. Okay, um, they must have added those because I just maybe. remember one option for genitalia. I remember like pubic hair orientation's fine, but yeah. not lips and and. They I, they apparently did not let you customize your coochie, so that's and, and unfortunate. It didn't impact, well, and it didn't impact the story so much either, and it was just kind of like that's kind of there. There are things with that character creator that are cool. I don't if think you ever see the character's genitalia anyway in the whole entire game. There are even some sex scenes, but you right. don't see your character's genitalia only so. when you take off all your clothes. Well, yeah, and you like look in the mirror, yeah, but still yeah. it's like and it's what's what's the point anyway <laughs> what's the point right you know right didn't uh saints row also had a very uh, robust sort of character creator as far as body types and i sizes do recall and that yeah yeah in saints row three i think or two but yeah it's 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 fun i i think part of the fun of character creation is creating those things it's just fun to kind of create them or right. arrange the face. But at some point, I just need to play the game. For Customizing me, just, my character. It depends on my mood. I will probably spend like a minimum of 20 minutes building a character okay. when I'm given the options. So like Skyrim is one of those ones where it's like, <sighs> Skyrim is a little different because it's such a small amount of actual changes that you can make to your character. Okay. Same for KOTOR. I wrote down KOTOR because it's just like eight prefab options and that's all right. you get. That's all you get. Um, also, their character development was very like illusion of choice in KOTOR. Yeah. There's really only two branches, and I was disappointed with that. Yeah. If when they are remastering it, and I wish that they would also try to include some sort of alternate branches, alternate paths that you can take, so there's not just the two choices. Yeah, you know. 
Unfortunately, as far as remasters, that is the exception, not the rule, right? Where right. they where they do something like they did in Odin Sphere, where they go, okay, so now that we've got all these programmatical things that we can, you know, like now that we have got a better controller and more options for buttons, how do we make this thing better and put it out a better version? But I don't think that that's always done. No, I think pretty rarely. Yeah, they usually rarely. just keep what's going there. Like they've it's released, re- they've re-released Skyrim like three times. Three? It seems like a hundred. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I remember the first time I uh, I think I, I played Skyrim on a Xbox 360, I, I want to say. Now, two generations ago? Yeah, wow. honestly. Yeah. Skyrim is one of those games where you can make your own character and you can customize things about them. Like, you know, are they a Nord? Are they an Imperial? Are they right. a Khajiit? Right. Um, and you can choose different endings and all that. But you really are always playing a canon character. Right. And that is the Dragonborn. Right. And same for another Bethesda game. I think it's a Bethesda game. Fallout. Yes. Um, you yes. Especially like in Fallout 3, you play like the daughter of this vault dweller. In Fallout uh, in New Vegas, you play a courier who right. has like a special chip. And then in Fallout 4, you are the sole survivor of Vault 111. So my question is, do you like games where you are kind of forced into playing one like specific canonical character? Or do you like being able to create your own person who has maybe like a different background or at least their background isn't relevant to the plot such that you can make it up in your head if i have choice of the way i'm going to play this character a la renegade or paragon paragon uh, i always forget paragon for some reason if i have a choice to where to guide my character and there's some semblance of i am leading the life or role-playing this this character then character creation is much more important to me. Mm -hmm. If I am playing through a story that is the same for everyone, regardless of choice or whatever, then character creation is less important to me because that's just the visual that I get when I look at whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I would rather play a character that is written by them and say, okay, so this is my experience. Now, I understand that people want to be inclusive of all races and and, and make people feel like they're playing the character that represents them. However, I think what needs to happen is we need to hear those stories. We don't need to just put a coat of paint on it and say, oh, this is your black character or your Asian character. And it's the exact same thing because their experiences are different. So I want to hear those stories. I don't want to hear a white person story in an Asian body. Yeah, right? that's a good that's a good point. So so that's what I would rather have. But if there's something where I have a choice and I'm going to be able to make choices as to where my character develops or what I do in the story, then the way that character looks is much more important. Right. Yeah. Um, no, that totally makes sense. One thing I want to say about character generation that I think of as the best character generator was a game that I played Back in the MMO RPG days, right when they were trying to do subscription models and things like that, like World of Warcraft times, uh, a little bit earlier, 2004, this game 
uh, City of Heroes came out. And a couple years later, City of Villains, which made some additions and changes to the way you've got your, you've got your base five uh, archetype, you know, types of heroes. I can't remember. There's like a tank. There's a, a controller. There was a blaster. There was a, there were five right. on you each have side. Your, right. your presets, yeah. And what happened was you would pick, um, for each one of those, they had different, types of powers like you would pick your like you said like you want gravity control for a controller i want gravity and i want weather as my primary and secondary or i want fire and i want ice as my primary and secondary and depending on which class they were the options you had for the different powers as you develop that character were different and you could play them you can slot them with these little um, enhancement slots that would make the powers different depending on how you wanted to play the characters. Like if I wanted a blaster, I had a blaster that was a fire blast and it's just like this dude over here is fire blast. Right. But they focus on more close range stuff. So what they want is more damage in less range and you want to snipe as a blaster. So you want to increase the range and make it more accurate, you could slot the the powers the way that you wanted to, right? So there was that level of character creation that was really cool because you could right. have two people who have the same power sets, completely different ways to that they want to play it. The wonderful thing was the costumes. My gosh, there were so <laughs> many, like it was traditional sort of like four color comic book costume stuff mostly but you could also have some they had different things for like pirate hats or you know like different hats Just and different cool, hair cool different like customizable yeah, things yeah one of my characters i created was this character called roxy sonic roxy sonic and roxy sonic had um she was a fire or not a fire she was sound based uh blaster oh um, sonic yeah yeah and she was a really tall really tall orange skin character that had these ram horns, which doesn't oh, make any dope. sense, but she, but she was pretty fucking dope. And that's the thing too, the character creation, since it was an MMO, it was more important to stand out and be unique. And very seldom did you see two characters that looked the same. And that is exactly the number of options that you want. You, you want the threshold to be very unlikely that you're going to see someone else build the same character. Right. Because of colors, because of options. Because in that type of game, you want someone on your team that's identifiable as different. Right. right. So that you can pick them out. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Whereas the enemies, the enemies can all be the same because, you know, that they're your enemies. You don't they're really care about it. Um, you want some of your, like, your. The, the villain characters to be different, but you know, like the minions and stuff, they all look the same. Yeah. They struck such a cool balance with that and city of villains when they came out. Unfortunately, the company, I want to say uh, it's kind of funny Paragon. I think it was Paragon studios. Originally, oh, nice. But it, I think it was Paragon at one point and it was cryptic. The company decided to focus on their star Trek RPG and drop City of Heroes, City of Villains, which oh. was disappointing. As far as character development, your powers were different, and you could customize them that way, but then also your look was very unique. 
and you could change that too and have different different suit versions and stuff as you leveled up and, and so on and so forth. So it had storylines that were okay, right? Right. But, it was, it but okay in a, in a World of Warcraft kind of like you're the, playing through this and getting all your drops were these like things that you uh, would slot in and stuff. And sometimes you'd drop equipment and you'd have special raids and things like that. But it was it was really enjoyable, and it was about playing the character you wanted to play. And I did some role playing. Right? Yeah. I did. I had a character called Anomaly Eleven. Anomaly Eleven. Anomaly Eleven had weather power. She was a controller. She had gravity and weather powers, and she was friggin' invincible. Because then I would have this thing that would follow me around that had my powers, the same powers I had, and I would, I would basically lock them down in a position with gravity and then i'd throw like whirlwinds at them and lightning and shit just it was completely completely controlling them, them sabotaging yeah. them yeah. but it was it was it was so great because you you know you're you're playing a character and i think that's where it's more important absolutely and you're yeah. actually role playing yes exactly which i don't usually do yeah that's fair like in real life oh like role pl- actual role play i am playing the role of a little girl. <laughs> no, I do not believe that you are. Hello, my name is Susan. <laughs> Sorry, Susie, may I have a lollipop, please? I think that is the worst little girl impression okay, I've I'll work ever on, heard. I'll work on it. We'll work on it. But in the meantime, I think that we have covered a lot oh, yeah. of information today a lot of on ground. character. We talked about a lot of characters and jumped around all over the place yeah but yeah it's unless you have something else big to add ben i want to say it's been an absolute pleasure hosting this episode i don't have anything to add cheyenne (laughs) that's great so let's say goodbye to the viewing viewing listening to the listeners to the listeners also known as nora thank you for listening my name is ben and my name is cheyenne take care thanks bye